Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Montecito, California. Today, I'm going to do, uh, as promised, another episode of the Back to School series. And this one is going to be focusing on estate planning. Okay. But before we begin, I do want to uh, remind you, there's a website associated with this podcast. It's called wealthformula.com. And one of the things I am going to draw your attention to is the Investor Club uh, tab there. And uh, if you are an accredited investor, which means you make either $200,000 per year yourself as an individual, have done so for the last couple of years, uh, with reasonable expectation of continuing to do so, or $300,000 if you are a couple, or you have a net worth of $1 million outside of your personal residence. You are an accredited investor. You do not have to apply. You don't have to go to school. We just are, you know, like you're either pregnant or you're not pregnant, right? So that's that's what it is. Now, if you're an accredited investor, go to wealthformula.com and click on investor club if you have an interest in potentially participating in some deal flow now what happens is when you click that you go through an onboarding process that verifies your accredited investor status we talk to you a little bit make sure you're not cray cray and then uh, you have access potentially to some of the stuff that we're doing and i bring this to your attention in particular because in, in the next few weeks, um, we are going to have some of uh, some really uh, good stuff. We haven't had much going on in the face of the real estate markets in the last uh, year, but you are going to see some. You're going to see some in the next few weeks, and it's very exciting. I'm very excited. I don't know about you, but uh, some, some of the things that we uh, had talked about on previous episodes with regard to ways that you may run into deals in this environment are coming to fruition. But if you want to participate, you're going to have to be part of that group. So go to uh, uh, wealthformula.com. And uh, at that point, you are going to click on Investor Club. Get onboarded soon, 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 soon. Okay, now let's get back to school. So again, as a reminder, what this whole thing is about is, you know, my kid's going back to school. Your kid's going back to school. And it's uh, made me think, gosh, we got to go back to school. We got to go back to basics because we've been talking to economists and authors and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, what we want to 
really focus in on is personal finance. Personal finance means you and your money and how you deal with it, uh, your own personal philosophies, the things that you do to protect your money, uh, what you want to do with your money after you die or what, who you want it to go to and all that kind of stuff. Last week, we talked about asset protection. And this week, we're going to talk about a even less popular topic to, uh, to address, which is critically important, though, in my opinion, and it is estate planning. Okay? Now, again, estate planning is basically what happens to your estate, you know, all the things you own, all your money, whatever, once you die. And no one, again, likes to talk about this stuff because they're, you know, they can, they can get a little bit uh, superstitious. You know, if you plan on uh, having a, a estate planning going on, then, you know, maybe you might die the next day or something crazy like that. But that, that's the way people think sometimes. I think it's superstitious. But this is stuff that's really not difficult to do. And as soon as you have, you know, kids, family, whatever, and you start making a few bucks, this is something that you gotta, you gotta start thinking about. You really do. And it's not that hard. We're going to go through the whole nine yards, you and me. So, um, but before that, again, let me preface that I, what I'm telling you is all the stuff that, you know, just a guy, I'm just a guy who happens to have done pretty well who's got some assets myself, got a family. I've learned all this stuff. I've done a lot of the heavy lifting, but I'm not an attorney. So this isn't legal advice. And I never took that several months to become a financial advisor. So you shouldn't take this as financial advice either. On the other hand, I caution you to taking financial advice from anyone who makes a lot less money than you do, which is often what happens and frankly never ceases to amaze me, right? I mean, why, why would you do that? I mean, I'm not saying like, you know, I'm talking about magnitudes of wealth difference, right? Like people going in uh, who are making like, you know, making six figures a year, taking advice from somebody who's making, you know, five figures per year or somebody who's, you know, seven figures a year making, taking advice from somebody who's also, you know, five figures. But anyway, again, listen, that's me. You may, you may decide that, that that's a, I'm being a, uh, I don't know, anti, anti five figure professional person. I'm not, I'm just saying it just, you know, you have to live this stuff. And, and in my opinion, that's how you really learn it because it becomes your own personal, personal puzzle to solve. So again, Estate planning, the most neglected aspect of personal finance by far. No one likes to talk about dying, so they don't do it. Some of the richest middle-aged people that I know have not put much thought into estate planning at all, which is crazy to me. Okay, so what happens if you die without making any plans? Okay, you've got no will. You've got no living trust. You've got, you know, you, you've got nothing going on. By the way, the term for that is intestate. It sounds like, I don't know, it sounds like you've got like a, I don't know, like maybe you ate something bad or something. Uh, but that the term for that is intestate. And if you die intestate, here's what happens. 
the distribution of your assets are determined by intestacy laws. And those are determined by where you live, what state, what jurisdiction, all that kind of stuff. And while the specific rules can vary from state to state, there are some general principles that we're going to just run through because I think, again, I'm trying to be comprehensive here. So if you're married and you're intestate and your spouse is usually going to receive the significant portion of your estate, particularly if there are no descendants. Now, if there are children or grandchildren, they typically inherit a portion as well. Uh, with the exact division varying, again, by your particular jurisdiction. If you've got no surviving spouse, goes to the kids. If you have no spouse or kids, then your parents might inherit everything. Now, if you've got none of the above, then the estate typically goes to siblings. Now, if you don't even have siblings, that's, um, boy, first of all, that's lonely, right? No white, no children, no siblings, no parents, kind of sad. But anyway, if you got nobody, if you got nobody and, and you die and you're, uh, no one can find any, anybody who's related to you, then the estate is called escheat. That's E-S-C-H-E-A-T, escheat. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but that's what it is. And this means the state becomes the owner of your assets. So you might look at what I went through just now and say, hey, well, you know, that sounds about right. You know, I got my wife, got my kids, so I'm all good. I don't have to do anything. Well, that may, may, may be true, but probably not. Because the thing about it is that most people probably have some specific, you know, things rather than equal distributions going to equal, you know, him, her, the other thing, you might want to leave a little bit to your nephew or niece or whatever. So anyway, in order to really just clarify what you want to go where, you need a will. And a will, often referred to as a last will and testament, that's, uh, it's a legal document. And that articulates an individual's wishes uh, and, and tells people who gets what. You know, distribution of the assets. You know, if you want your uh, uncle to get something, you want your aunt to get this much, you want certain things to go to certain children, all that kind of stuff. Okay. So now say you have a will and you die. Okay, you, you, your family's upset. They're really upset. They're mourning your loss. Uh, and um, you happen to be the primary breadwinner in the family as well. So they need to pay their bills, but they can't, even though your will is very clear about who should get what. Why is that? Why can't they get their money? Because of something called probate, all right? Now, typically a will has to go through probate, and that probate is just a legal process where a court oversees the distribution of assets. And this is, you know, unnecessarily time-consuming, and it's also expensive. Okay, so probation uh, duration, you know, how long probation goes, it's going to depend completely on, uh, depend a lot on what state you're in, and also the complexity of this state. Um, Any disputes that come about. The efficiency of the court. So think about if you're in, an inefficient state, like say, I don't know, my state, California, or say like Illinois, where I used to live, very inefficient. Lots of other factors. In California, where I live, okay, 
a straightforward probate process, very straightforward. Still going to take eight to 12 months. But again, we get a little bit more complicated, get other things in there, and boom, you're off to over a year. So you drop dead, and your family is trying to stay afloat while they mourn your loss, and the money you clearly state goes to them, and you tell the state, this is who I wanted to go, and all that stuff still doesn't go to them for eight to 12 months or more. Crazy, right? I, this stuff is maddening to me. And this is why I think it's important that I tell you about it. Because if you, if you listen to this and you're, you don't feel like, yeah, that's just a stupid system. And man, I better, you know, just in case, I better go and just do a, a couple little things to prevent this kind of pain in the butt. Uh, I mean, that's, that's what I'm trying to do here. I want you to do that. Okay. Okay. But you know what else is crazy besides that whole eight to 12 months thing? Okay. In California, and, and this is just in California, you can calculate this because it's not necessarily, you know, that California is the only one that does this because m- most states have a cost to doing all this. And in, in California, a probate on a million dollars estate, just a million dollars, right? It'd be about $46,000. Right? That's almost 5% of your estate not going to your family that the state charges you while not giving your family its money. So they're waiting over a year and they're charging you 5%. Nuts. It's crazy. It's crazy. Okay. So before you get too pissed off, like you should be, you need to know there's a simple way around this whole probate thing. And it's called a living trust. Now, that might sound complex. Okay, we're talking about trust now. But the living trust is actually really, really simple. And it's, it's, it's really inexpensive. So a living trust is just like, think of it as like a little special container where you can put all your stuff. You put your house in there, your car, your bank accounts, you know, all that kind of stuff. And while you're alive, you can still use everything inside this container just as you normally would. Again, if you, if you ever get sick, and can't make decisions for yourself, someone you trust, who you chose beforehand, can step in and manage those things for you. And when you die, whatever's inside this container can be directly given to the people you've chosen in your will without probate, okay? So the other thing to, uh, so it's that simple. By the way, these in these living trusts only, what? I mean, couple, couple grand, couple grand. Compare that to, you know, paying that 5% I mentioned earlier. Okay. So also living trusts are typically revocable, uh, which simply means you can change your mind and adjust what's inside the container or its rules as long as you're alive and well. So for the vast majority of people, the vast majority of people out there, all you need is a will and trust, and you can probably get those done for just a couple of thousand dollars. Now, Imagine not doing that and making your family wait for what's theirs and paying the government tens of thousands of dollars for no good reason. Well, that's your alternative right there. So if you are most people, that's really all you got to know. I mean, again, I'm not an attorney, but that's for the most part. That's really all you got to know. Now, okay, this is a special podcast audience, though, and I know that because I am the host of the Wealth Formula podcast. And in my opinion, I bet you, I'll bet you, if anybody can figure this out, I'm, I'm up for a bet, okay? 
that I have the pleasure of being the host of probably the most successful and affluent podcast audience in the world. I don't know how you measure that, but I'm pretty much guaranteed that that's true, that if you look at our collective average net worth of listeners to this show, it would rank at the top of the list. You know, I may not be number one on the list for podcast listenership like Joe Rogan or something like that, but net worth per listener, I'm going to crush him. I'm going to crush him. Anyway, and within this group, there are a number of you who need to be aware of this ugly, ugly thing that is called the estate tax, otherwise known as the death tax. Or, or it's also called something else by advisors that I've had. They call it the stupid tax. And I'll get back to why uh, it might be a stupid pat tax in a bit. But Okay, so what's, what are, what's this tax all about? Well, this is basically, as it sounds like, if you are pretty wealthy, they, you get penalized for dying and being wealthy. And um, right now what happens is that and there's this estate tax that kicks in, federal estate tax, that kicks in if your assets are... Individually, if you're an individual, um, uh, about twelve point nine two million dollars for for that's for if you're an individual like me, I'm you know not married and stuff. Uh, if you are married, if you're you know a couple, is twenty five point eight four million. That is of today. Now the assets that you or your family have that exceed this amount uh, upon your death are taxed at. 40%. That's right. 40%. That's a lot of money. A lot of money. Okay, so now I know you're you might be thinking, well, I don't know, Buck. I know you're saying this you've got a, a really affluent crowd here, but I'm not that affluent. Maybe I don't need to worry about this problem after all, and I'm gonna tune out right now. But wait, 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 wait. After 2025, these triggers cut in half. The individual will have basically start thinking about uh, estate taxes or their heirs, your heirs will after 7 million. And for couples, it'll be 14 million. And if you think, by the way, that these numbers are going to stay there, I think you're crazy because these numbers are going to come down. I think Bernie Sanders had suggested, you know, an estate tax of right around like 2 million or 1 million or something like that. Anyway, but uh, in addition to that, so seven million for individuals, fourteen million for couples. I know that for a fact that even if these stayed where they're going to be, that that a number of you already have an estate tax problem for your heirs, and if you don't already have one, there are probably more than half the people who listen to this podcast, or potentially, are potentially in trajectory to get there over the next few decades. Well, think about it. If you have a net worth of $5 million today, and I, I'm not saying, you know, listen, I'm not assuming anything. I'm just giving you some numbers. If you have a net worth of $5 million today, what do you think it's going to be in 10 years? I would hope that it's double that. Um, you know, mine in the last 10 years is at least 5X. Okay, uh, and you, a lot of you are investing alongside me in these kinds of 
things, okay? Now, you'll have some up, up years and down years, but uh, in 10 years, I, I'm, EV, I'm, I'm 5X where I was. I can say that with some level of confidence. Now, at the very least, though, I would hope that you would double your net worth in the next 10 years with some good investing. In the next 20 years, you might even double it again, okay? So what I'm getting at here and what I'm saying here is that if you think you don't have to worry about this estate tax problem, well, I hope you're wrong. Okay, I hope you're wrong because I know so many of you who are doing really well right now and you're young, you're in your 40s or 50s or whatever, and you still got like 30 years, you know, making bank, right? You're going to be growing that money. And I'm sorry, but you're probably going to have an estate tax problem. Or I should say, congratulations, I think you're going to have an estate tax problem. But either way, this is stuff that I think you should think about. If you're even, you know, obviously, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're not even close, then don't worry about it. Because this is when stuff starts to get expensive if you want to do something about it. But it is going to even be more expensive for your heirs if you don't. And uh, you know what? Uh, before I even, you know, leave the whole, how much is the estate taxing going to be? I haven't even brought up state level estate taxes. You know, I'm kind of amazed, frankly, that California, my state here, has not instituted a state level estate taxes, but there's like 17 states that do have it. Some highlights along that line, Massachusetts and Oregon, they, they both start their death tax at estates over $1 million. I mean, it's, it's insane, right? Uh, there are estate taxes that are, in many cases, very high. In Hawaii or Washington, your state-level estate tax is like 20%. So if you, if you die in Hawaii or Washington, and you're pretty wealthy, your estate tax could be 60% all in. What a joke, right? Basically, your heirs would have to sell stuff off just to pay the taxes. And I have to tell you that, you know, along these lines that I find estate taxes to be frankly unfair and disgusting. The assets in people's estates have already been taxed in life. Why should heirs have to give half or more of their family's uh, wealth to the government? It's complete socialist kind of BS. But anyway, I'll stop on that rant to get back to the education. Okay. Now, here's the good news, and this goes back to one of the nicknames I gave to the estate tax earlier, or I didn't give it to them. I just keep, I, I hear people talk about this as the stupid tax, and they call it this because it's actually not that hard to avoid if you're rich and you do a few simple things, okay? And that if you are that rich, they're not that expensive, I mean, relative to the alternatives, uh, of paying like millions of dollars or whatever. Anyway, that's why, by the way, so if you don't do these things, uh, these advisors will think you're kind of stupid. You're just, you know, you're just rich, dead, and stupid. So that, that's why they call it the stupid tax as well. Uh, now, this, this area of, of uh, avoidance of the estate tax is, you know, it's, there's nothing shady about it. Um, this is totally legal stuff. It's totally above board, uh, but it can get pretty complicated. But basically what it comes down to is this concept of transferring your wealth out of your own estate into various kinds of 
irrevocable trust while you're living. So for example, here's a, a conceptual idea of, of how that looks. You got $10 million in your estate today. You transfer it out of your estate into a trust. Okay. That could, and, and, and then, and then that money is no longer in your estate. That can be invested and grown to really limitless amounts without your heirs having to pay estate taxes when you die. Okay, so that $10 million you put in, boom, 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 had a lot of luck, and all of a sudden it's 50 million bucks. You die, no estate taxes. Why? Well, that 10 million that you put in uh, today, under today's limits, uh, estate tax stuff and gift limits, are under the gift tax limits. And once it's out of your estate, it's not subject to estate taxes, right? So that's the idea. And does that mean you lose control of that money for good? And basically you're just like, you know, putting it aside until your kids use it? No, no, not if you set it up right. I have what's called a Nevada Dynasty Trust, and that holds a holding company for which I'm the manager. And I manage all the assets through the holding company, but I don't technically own that money that I don't technically own. It's owned by the trust. And the beneficiaries of that trust are my children. By the way, I should point out, this is also a very, very strong way of, of doing, getting a little asset protection. Because again, this stuff, I don't own this stuff. This stuff belongs to my kids through or their, their trusts, right? Or uh, they're beneficiaries of this trust. It doesn't belong to me, right? So, I mean, honestly, don't try to sue me. It's not gonna help. It's not gonna work very well. Uh, anyway, in my case, I literally started businesses from day one that are owned by the trust, not me. Okay, so that income is generated, uh, and it generated from out of my estate from the beginning. Um, and 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 again. This is completely legal stuff, right? I mean, this stuff doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the trust. Do I use it for my daily, you know, activities and, and all that kind of? No, I don't. But I do use it for investing. I do use it. Uh, I may, I could use it in order to fund kids' uh, education because at the end of the day, it is a trust for them. So anything that relates to my kids, it's great. I can do that. Um, they may need a house to live in, that could be owned by a trust. You see, you, you, get my, you get my drift there. But anyway, so I own nothing that's in those trusts, but I control everything. And I'm sure you've heard that before. I'm sure you've heard that, that concept before, but that's, that's behind the kimono, that's how it works. Again, I gotta remind you though, I am not an attorney or a tax professional, so don't take any of this as professional advice. Okay, but if you think I might know what I'm doing and that this is relevant to you, I'm happy to refer you to the lawyers. You can set it up the way that I have. Just email me. Yeah, and so, okay, so we've hit every level of estate planning that I know, and hopefully this has been a good day at uh, personal finance back to school uh, the, 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 that we're doing here. And if so, let me know. Shoot me an email, bucketwealthformula.com if you have any questions, um, you know, or you want a referral for some of these concepts that I'm talking about, shoot me an email uh, and uh, let me know what you think. And if you have other things that you want me to address, specific big topics in personal finance, let me know because I, I want to come back to this. I want to start making sure that we address 
you know, not only the macro things out there, like, you know, like speaking about the economy and what's happening and all that kind of stuff, but also these kind of personal, you know, things that you can do at the micro level, the microeconomics here. So the bottom line is, uh, again, it is my non-professional opinion that the least you need to do, if you have any assets at all, and a family that you want to see benefit from them, is a will and a simple and inexpensive living trust. Now, if you remember nothing else from this podcast, please remember that little bit and tell all the people that you know to get this done. Okay, that's it for this episode of Wealth Formula Podcast Special Back to School Series. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.